We need vitamin C all the time. We need a good amount in our diet. And sometimes we need to take it supplementally. And sometimes we need to get an IV depending on how aggressive we need to be and what's going on in your body. You're listening to the Integrative Medical Podcast with Dr. Jake, a licensed naturopathic doctor who will show you how to tap into your body's natural ability to heal your health issue and improve your symptoms quickly without harmful drugs or devastating surgeries. So pour some tea, get comfortable where you are, and enjoy this healing episode. One of the big topics that I'm really interested in is vitamin C because vitamin C for me is like this abyss of knowledge where you learn about it as your kid. It's like this white tab that sits on your tongue that your mom gives you every day. And then, you know, years later, I'm being, you know, strapped into a bag of this stuff and, and it's being intravenously pumped into my veins. And so uh, today I'm really excited to go into like vitamin C and what it does and what it is in small dose and low dose in liposomal and in intravenous form. Tell me as a naturopathic doctor, what do you love or, or unpack the mystery of vitamin C from an overview perspective? What are all the things vitamin C can do? Yeah. So the reason why I love vitamin C is because it does so much for the body. One thing that our body doesn't make itself at all, you have to take it. What's interesting is we're the only mammals that don't increase vitamin C when we get sick. All other mammals increase their own production of vitamin C when they get sick. It's us and gerbils are the only ones that don't make our own vitamin C. So like I was saying, it's extremely important for the immune system. It's needed for to nourish your adrenal glands and get them making the cortisol and the DHEA and other hormones effectively. It's needed to give the immune system the guns it needs, so to speak. It's a great antiviral agent. It's great. It's what we use to even make neurotransmitters. So it can even be a support for our mood health. So it just does so much in the body. So let's kind of like take that from the beginning. And we hope that today's episode is really just educational on vitamin C and the different uses and the different ways to use it for vitamin C. But first of all, talk about talk, what's the challenge all about that challenge that our body doesn't make it like walk us through the vitamin C challenge. Like why is it this great mythical thing that we need and why don't we have it? That's a good question. We would have to leave that one up to God, why we don't have vitamin C, because I would love to be able to make my own vitamin C all the time, but we don't, right? So all of us need to be taking vitamin C. And whenever we get sick, we're depleted of vitamin C. So we need to take it. So that's why it's really effective for that. And if you don't get vitamin C in your diet, guess what? You're going to get sick all the time. Your joints are going to get weak. We didn't talk about that one. It's needed for collagen health too. And your teeth might start to fall out. You know, you know, those pirates, you see their teeth always out because they got scurvy and their teeth fell out. We need vitamin C all the time. We need a good amount in our diet. And sometimes we need to take it supplementally. And sometimes we need to get an IV depending on how aggressive we need to be and what's going on in your body. Okay, so let's kind of walk through those different levels of need for vitamin C. So what, what is sort of like the basic human need and acquisition method for, uh, method for vitamin C? The preferred acquisition of vitamin C? Like well, and also it? like the basic need. Like what, why do we need vitamin C? In, in, a, in a very general sense, how much do we need on a weekly basis, daily basis? Where do we get it from? Like basic vitamin C health. So you don't absolutely need to take a supplement of vitamin C if you're getting a great intake of fruits and vegetables. So that's where you're going to get vitamin C from. When you cook your food, you do deplete the vitamin C that's in the food. So you definitely need to get some raw vegetables and fruits into your diet to get a good amount there. But let's say you get sick 
just eating fruits and vegetables isn't enough to really get that vitamin C level up because let's say you have a viral infection, it's really depleting that vitamin C production. You're not going to get enough from your food. And at that point, you need to be taking high doses of vitamin C. And usually I recommend probably about 1000 milligrams every two hours, which is high doses. And if you get diarrhea, you decrease the dose. Some people will get diarrhea if they keep on taking it. The preferred form orally, the most absorbable way is liposomal, but that can be expensive. I don't always prescribe it that way, but the most absorbable form is liposomal besides IV vitamin C. Why would we go liposomal? Because you you prescribed that to me when I got COVID. Yeah, so liposomal vitamin C is when we really need to get high amounts of vitamin C into your bloodstream. Let's say you get COVID or you get some other viral infection, or let's say maybe you have cancer and you want to get high amounts of vitamin C in there. That's when I do recommend liposomal vitamin C when we have a bad bug or we have cancer. If we don't have those bad bugs or cancer, oral vitamin C is going to be totally just fine and you're likely going to absorb it just fine. Some people need to get buffered vitamin C because it can cause acid reflux and hurt their guts. Uh, So you could get buffered vitamin C and that you could take a lot of that and not cause any harm. What about those those white pills my mom gave me when I was a kid? Was that like a good a good thing? I don't, I don't know. That may have been a good white form or or not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what form she was giving you, but it's probably ascorbic acid, which yeah. is okay. A lot of the research is on ascorbic acid. I like people to get real vitamin C for general health, but when we're treating certain conditions, like uh, let's say you get sick or cancer, ascorbic acid is just fine and great. Okay. What about the orange? Like is, is an orange like a natural source? That's that's what Yeah, I that's mean. a great source. Oranges aren't the only ones that have high doses of vitamin C. I mean, there's the uh, berries have a lot, blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. A lot of vegetables have it. So don't think you need to eat a lot of oranges. I'm not, I don't say you should eat a ton of oranges, especially when you're sick, because when you're sick, you don't want a lot of sugar because guess what? Those bugs are going to start eating that sugar. So you want to eat a low sugar food with high in vitamin C. Got it. What are those? What are like quick ones that you recommend? Great low sugar foods with high amounts of vitamin C or berries, blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. Okay. They're fantastic. All right. So let's take it up a notch then. So like we've got this vitamin C as this basic need. It's a basic nutritional thing, but then you can get sick and there's a greater need for vitamin C and that, that moves all the way into inflammation diseases like cancer. So walk us through these next sort of phases of vitamin C and does lacking the vitamin C cause the cancer? And if not, then how does it fight it? Kind of, kind of walk us through these steps of of the importance of vitamin C and where it's, I mean, possibly in a roundabout way, having a nutrient depletion of vitamin C could potentially lead to cancer. I say this, cancer is from your immune system becoming suppressed for some reason. And there's multiple reasons. Nutrient deficiencies, not just vitamin C, but other nutrient deficiencies can cause your immune system to be suppressed and lead to cancer. Let's ask about like the second level of vitamin C. So like we've got vitamin C as sort of a basic nutritional need. It's yeah. not on our diet. Yeah. So we gotta eat healthy. Mm-hmm. But then there's like an escalated level that eventually could lead to cancer. Talk to us about that next level of need for vitamin C. What does that so, look like? And where, do we need more vitamin C and more often and in the bloodstream? Unpack that for us. I love it. Let's say you're just a general healthy guy. You just need to get it from your fruits and vegetables. You don't really need to take a supplementally. You could get it in your multivitamin. Fine. That's that's really going to be enough. But when you get a acute infection like a virus or a bacteria, that's when you really need to up your doses. And if you get cancer, you really need to up your doses because you really need to get that immune system working on all cylinders. That's when we start doing high doses of vitamin C orally. We either do 
1000 milligrams twice daily or two every two hours if you have an acute infection let's say you have a chronic infection you're going to do 2000 milligrams like four times daily or so if you could take that and then if you have cancer you could do liposomal vitamin c you could go 1000 milligrams to even up to 20000 milligrams of vitamin c liposomally and usually that one doesn't cause any digestive upset because it gets absorbed so well and then if you have really bad bugs you want to, uh, or if you have cancer, you want to do high dose IV vitamin C because high dose IV vitamin C is going to get that vitamin C at high amounts. So oral vitamin C only could absorb so much. Even liposomal vitamin C only could get absorbed so much. When we do it IV, you're getting so much more, 100, 200 times more vitamin C into your bloodstream when you do that. And that's going to be much more effective against these chronic infections like viruses or bacteria and against cancer cells. Okay. And when you do really high doses of vitamin C, it changes. So yeah. vitamin C at low doses is antioxidant and vitamin C at really high doses, like you do an IV form. 25 grams or more is going to be oxidative. So it's going to supply the immune system what it needs to fight off the cancer, but then it's going to cause a lot of oxidative stress on the cancer cells and kill it that way. There's so much to unpack there. And, and to do that, I want to back up a little bit. And let's kind of go back to acute infection versus chronic infection. What's the difference? Acute infection is when, let's say you just got exposed to a cold. You've had that for, let's say you start getting that in the beginning phase of the sniffles. That's acute uh, symptoms that you're experiencing. But let's say you get a chronic infection, which is you've had an infection for six weeks or more, which there's certain bugs that can do that. Maybe or go let's say you get back. exposed to a bug and causes long-term harm and it never really went away when that's a chronic infection. The amount of vitamin C and the way that you treat it for those things, is, does it change based on whether it's an acute or a chronic infection? Yeah, definitely. So when it's an acute infection, I'm just pumping the body with tons of vitamin C for a short period of time. So I'm going to be, like I said, 1000 milligrams every two hours until you get some digestive upset or whatever. Um, in the chronic situation, usually I go to about 1000 milligrams three to four times a day. It's kind of just a bask in the, the vitamin C, but we're not going to do really high doses for a really long time because we're going to be doing a lot of other things with the chronic infection. We're going to okay. be doing the vitamin C for a long time. We're going to do with the chronic infection for a year or so. Okay. Then what is the mechanism that vitamin C is using to make you better? Like what's actually happening at, at those levels? So vitamin C is actually antiviral by itself. So if you have a virus infection, it's very good for that because it's antiviral, but also it gives your immune system the gun, so to speak, to be able to fight off or the ammo to fight off the, the infection. The longer you're sick, or the more sick you are, the more vitamin C you're using and you're running out of the ammo, so to speak. So you need oh. to keep on pumping up the vitamin C to supply the ammo for your immune system to fight it. What are some of those guns that it provides? Like it, it's, there's more, it makes your immune system stronger or does it yeah, help? It makes it stronger whenever the immune system takes in the bug, it helps it uh, eliminate that bug more effectively. Like let's say a macrophage, which goes and engulfs the bug. It's able to uh, make the hydrogen peroxide and everything more effectively when we have the vitamin C. When you get into higher levels like cancer, you're into a high dose and now you're into an intravenous. So what happens between this internal form when it's, I think I heard you, it's an antioxidant. What happens between that oral stage antioxidant and then the IV stage oxidative? Like walk us through that process. 
So, yeah, so interesting concept. What happens is when you get really high amounts of vitamin C in the bloodstream, it changes from being antioxidant to oxidative. So when you're doing oral doses, it's always antioxidant. You're not getting high enough amounts to be oxidative. So you're not getting that extra benefit of the oxidation of the vitamin C. And we only want that to happen if we're trying to kill stuff, cancer cells or chronic infections. I don't recommend just doing that for general health. I would do that more on the antioxidant lower dose of vitamin C. But and what's the difference there between antioxidant and oxidative stress? Like, yeah, so antioxidant is what decreases oxidative stress. Interesting concept there, right? So oxidative stress is what causes a lot of chronic inflammation and damage throughout our body. It's a major cause of cardiovascular disease. It's a major cause of neurovascular disease, major cause of diabetes. This is a chronic inflammatory response that leads to these diseases. So when you take antioxidants, it decreases that oxidative stress that is placed on the body and helps with these conditions. And many times, prevents these conditions from happening because you're getting enough of antioxidants in there. And then oxidation, what happens with that is when we're trying to kill stuff like cancer cells, it puts that oxidative stress on the cancer cell and then the, it damages the cancer cells and makes reactive oxygen species in there. And that damages the cancer cells even more. The cancer cells undergo apoptosis. And this similar thing happens to the bugs too when you have chronic infections. Makes them explode. Yep. But what about healthy cells? So what's awesome about this is you will have this flood of oxidation, but the interesting process is it's not long-term oxidation, it's short-term, mm -hmm. which is good and great because then what that can do after it's done its work, your body then makes glutathione and increases glutathione production to decrease that oxidative stress. And then you have more glutathione decreasing the oxidative stress throughout your body. So it's a pretty cool concept. So it's a fine balance of oxidative stress and antioxidants. Now, is there a place where vitamin C can like damage you? Vitamin C is extremely safe. It's a water soluble vitamin. You could take tons of it and it won't cause harm. Except if you have kidney issues or you have a propensity for kidney stones, you probably don't want to take vitamin C. Other than that, it's not going to cause any harm at all. It just might, if you're taking too much of it, might be just expensive urine. What is the effect on your kidneys if you have a kidney issue? So what it is, is this, you're getting a lot of stuff in your body, a lot of vitamin C. So when you have a kidney issue, you're not able to eliminate stuff very well. When you put more stuff like vitamin C, it could cause damage because it gets accumulated in your kidneys. All that acidity can be harmful on the kidneys. Was there ever a time that humans had vitamin C in their bodies? Like, is that a thing that went away or just as, as long as not, we've known? Not that I know of. Maybe the cavemen had it. Maybe the androthals. I don't, I don't know. Neanderthals, maybe that. Good question. That's something I would have to research for you. Where do the animals, but the animal, other mammals yeah. self-produce it. Is there a gland that does that? Yeah. I don't know exactly what gland is making that because I don't, I don't study animals very much. I just study humans. So it's I don't know exactly where that's coming from. Sorry. I have to look that one up too. in more, more detail. There's only two mammals that don't make it in response to uh, getting an infection. It just tells us how important vitamin C is when we get sick. What is your diagnosis process with it? You know, like, is there sort of like recommended amounts for given ailments or do you, do you run certain tests to look at body chemistry first to go, you know, cause I, I would hate for someone to listen to this and, and then go maybe get too much or not enough. And like, should vitamin C be something that we're adding or, or do you go to a doctor to get the right amounts? Like there's a lot of questions on how much you should be getting. 
So like I said, vitamin C is very safe. You should know that if you have a kidney issue or kidney stones or whatever, or have an increased risk of kidney stones, you should lay off of it. But like I said, if you are a good, healthy person, you need to eat good fruits and vegetables. Let's say you don't eat fruits and vegetables. Yeah, you need to supplement with good vitamin C, even though it's not going to fix all your issues from not eating fruits and vegetables, but you still need to take vitamin C. But let's say you are really stressed. That depletes your vitamin C. And you need to take vitamin C when you're having a really stressful time. You need to up your dose. And I would take probably about 3,000 milligrams during that time. In divided doses, because it's water soluble. So you take about 1,000 milligrams three times daily if you have a lot of stress. Or you take it when you're sick or when you have cancer. Or Are you going to feel like a boost? Like if you, if you take your vitamin C, are you going to feel like a caffeine boost? Nope, you won't. You won't get a little caffeine boost. You, you probably won't notice a ton. Oh, vitamin C is really great for allergies too. So right now when we're recording this, this is April time. So this is allergy time. So I start pumping myself full of uh, vitamin C during this time. Do you take liposomal? Do you take oral? Do you have a syringe and you like pop it in or, or what do you do? <laughs> I have a vitamin C called vitamin C with bioflavonoids. So bioflavonoids are these other antioxidants that are really great for allergies. So I combine that. I, it's just a basic ascorbic acid. Walk us through like the degeneration process of diseases, ailments you get if you don't take vitamin C. Like what does that slow progression look like all the way up to scurvy? So let's say you don't take a good amount of vitamin C. It's going to make your collagen not be able to build as well. So you're going to degenerate your joints more readily. Your skin's not going to be as elastic. So it's going to, you're going to start becoming more saggy and wrinkly when you don't take vitamin C. Uh, you're going to be more likely to get sick and not be able to get over infections because we need it for that. You're going to be more likely to get sick when you are stressed because we need it for the stress response. And also we need it for our immune system. And then if you keep on not taking it, you could get all the way up to scurvy, which is when you start losing your teeth, your collagen, just because it's the weakness of all the collagen, you start losing your teeth at that point. Do you ever see anything like that where someone is vitamin C deprived or it's rarely that vitamin C is the number one answer. It's more like a, uh, an ingredient in a, in a bigger picture. Here in the United States, it really doesn't happen. I've never seen it. I, does it happen? Sure. But in other countries where they're nutrient deprived and they're not able to get their fruits and vegetables and they're, it definitely happens. All right. So tell me about a patient that had tremendous results with uh, vitamin C treatment. A vitamin C I treat with a ton of cancer patients. One of my colleagues, all they did was high dose IV vitamin C for pancreatic cancer, which is a wow. very difficult cancer to treat. And all they did was high dose vitamin C IV. They're still alive 15 years later. Wow. So that's how powerful high dose vitamin C can be. Is that going to happen all the time? No, it's usually a whole encompassing type of treatment, but vitamin C can be really powerful in that way. Let's talk about how vitamin C works in cancer. Let's, let's talk about that. What happens is vitamin C looks a lot like a sugar molecule. The scorbid acid molecule looks like that. Cancer loves sugar. It's going to gobble it up. So it's going to gobble up the vitamin C. So vitamin C kind of works like the Trojan horse. It goes in there. The cancer cells are really happy. They're getting all this sugar. They're going to start growing. But guess what? It wasn't sugar. It was vitamin C. And vitamin C gets broken down into hydrogen peroxide inside the cancer cell. Cancer cells can't break down that hydrogen peroxide. It's not like normal cells. And that hydrogen peroxide accumulates, causes damage to the cancer cells. And then the cancer cells go through a process called apoptosis, which is cell death. They just engulf themselves and, and die. Yeah. 
And then that's not harmful at all to our normal cells because hydrogen peroxide gets broken down into water and causes no harm to the body. So that's how vitamin C works. Plus it gives the immune system a boost and gives it the guns it needs to be able to fight the cancer too. Okay, so are there situations like you, you mentioned this one patient who had all like only vitamin C, how come that it isn't if that's what vitamin C does to cancer, how come we can't like reliably use that in case after case? Everyone's cancer is a little bit different, even though they might have the same diagnosis, people's response to treatment all changes. Mm -hmm. So vitamin C can work really awesome. There's all kinds of other therapies that we that are really awesome and work really well. But it's just about finding what one works best for that specific patient. And that's why I have so many different tools in my toolbox to be able to help patients that are dealing with cancer or other conditions. With vitamin C specifically, is there a way to like, get it into the cancer cell in a biopsy sort of way to see if your body will react to it? Or is that not like that doesn't even exist? I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> there is a test out the Greek test. I think Yeah, the Greek test. Yep. Um, so that's one you could check for the sensitivities of several different natural and conventional therapies. Yeah. Um, and you could see if vitamin C might be good for that specific cancer. And that what they do is they expose it directly in a petri dish. So it's not exactly how it would react in the body, but it does tell us that there is sensitivity to the vitamin C or not. It's a decent test. I think it's great for conventional therapies because conventional therapies are just as does this one mode of action, but with like vitamin C, there's so many different modes of action, like the immune system boosting, helping your adrenal glands function better, helping the collagen, which is what, how I treat cancer. It's not just about killing cancer cells. It's about helping the body work better. So you're missing out on a lot of things. So that test might say, oh, vitamin C is not effective for the cancer. Answer, but that doesn't necessarily mean it won't work for that that patient because it didn't work well in a petri dish. Yeah, because you pulled the cancer out of its environment and and yeah. now you've you've changed some things and that's I think something really interesting to consider because we I know that as a cancer patient myself like a lot of us yeah. put our a lot of faith in these tests and and it really it's just it's one other tool that that we can use you know at our our disposal. But it, does that you think the patient's attitude towards their treatment? helps make the treatment better? Like, are there people that vitamin C would work better if they just freaking believed in themselves a little bit or like had a little bit more optimism, a little bit more pep in their step? Yeah, the mind is very powerful. Even if a therapy is extremely effective, if they think it's not going to work, it really isn't going to work in many situations. It's called the nocebo effect instead of the placebo effect. Hmm. And uh, people need to believe in their treatment. If they're not believing in their treatment, they're not going to get better. Maybe that is why some people do better than others with vitamin C than others is because of their mindset of how they think about it. But again, I have a lot of patients that really believe in the treatment and they don't have the same res results with just vitamin C. So does the mind have a lot of power? Yeah, for sure. What are some of the, the ailments that you're treating with vitamin C right now? We talked about cancer, all stages, one through four, I use it in. I'm using it for patients that have chronic infections. I use that a lot with them. I use vitamin C in the antioxidant realm to help with various conditions, chronic fatigue, healing up the gut, helping heal up the mitochondria. So it's increasing energy production and can help with the chronic fatigue patient. I just said that, but also the fibromyalgia patient when there's a lot of chronic pain, mitochondria can be related to both those issues. I use it for adrenal issues, thyroid issues. I use it in my protocols for anxiety and depression because it just does so many different things in the body. It's not the only thing I use, but it's a piece of what I use in all kinds of treatments.
Is there anything that you've seen for which vitamin C would be uh, not recommended or not beneficial even? Kidney disease. Nailed it. I thought I was going to stumble you on that one, but you, you, were, you were right <laughs> on top. It's a very safe product. There's really nothing to worry about with vitamin C, except if you have bad kidneys and your kidneys have to be really bad. It's not like you have like a, your stage three kidneys disease it's, uh, and just oral vitamin C is not going to be a problem. That's when we, it's when we do go to the IV forms. Yeah. So don't be scared people. I mean, just low doses of vitamin C that you get orally are not going to cause any kidney issues. I've always loved it. Ever since I was a kid, I just love that. Uh, those little circles that my mom brought home. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. <laughs> Hey, Dr. Jake, thank you for your time today. And if you enjoyed the show, then do us a favor and leave a review. It helps more people to find the show, which could save their life. And remember, this is a podcast and should not replace personalized attention from a medical professional like Dr. Jake. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, cancer of any stage, or a life-changing illness, visit our website today and schedule a virtual appointment with one of our doctors who can lead you to a treatment plan in your area. That's integrativemedica.com. Integrativemedica.com. Thank you for listening to the Integrative Medica podcast with Dr. Jake. To hear past episodes and get alerts for the future, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and be sure to follow us on YouTube as well. Just search for Integrative Medica with Dr. Jake.